G'day everyone, David Boyer here. Now you would have heard me talk about Judo Capital on the show over the past year and that's because I think Judo Capital has the ability to really solve the problem of SMEs getting bank debt. Now quite a few accountants came up to me and tried to get in touch with them and find out more. So what I did, I tracked down Judo's joint CEO and co-founder, Joseph Healy, and I spent a good deal of time with him, and you're about to enjoy that interview. It's an incredible interview. Joseph talks about the critical role of affordable debt to support our business owners, the clients you and I talk with all the time. He talks about how banks got out of control and even his role in that process, and much to mine and Paul's delight, how he wished bankers had the trust or advisor status us accountants enjoy. But I'm taking it one step further. Starting in April, from the trenches, SQL CFO and Judo are hosting a round table of lunches for accountants. We're calling them water cooler lunches and they're going to be spread out all across Melbourne. Sorry, Sydney and other states, we're going to get there soon. We'll engage in the sort of discussion you've had around a water cooler, only it'll be over lunch. It'll be with me, some bankers, and of course my mate Paul Meisner will drop into a few of them. And by the way, lunch is on us. Head to fromthetrenches.com.au forward slash lunch to request a seat at the table. And if your accountants group's interested in having us host a lunch for you and your partners, also head to fromthetrenches.com.au forward slash lunch and get in touch. From the Trenches. I'm here with Joseph Healy, the co-founder, co-CEO of one of Australia's new challenger banks. It's not a fintech bank. We'll talk about that in a moment. Judo Capital. Joseph, thanks for coming on From the Trenches. It's my pleasure. Lovely to meet you again. (laughs) Yeah, well, again, because many moons ago, you were my boss's 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 boss when I was a banker at NAB. That's right. Um, The good old days, I guess you could say. Uh, You know, in the business banking market, so we both are are very familiar with the, the business banking space and the importance of the business banking community, particularly the small to mid sized businesses and how, how critical they are to the success of, uh, of the economy here. Um, it's true that we are. I, I learned a lot when I was at NAB. I wouldn't say I had a great time there. Way too much compliance and checklists. And I really felt that banking that NAB was trying to push on us was checklist monotonous banking. Um, and Judo Capital essentially has been started to break that mould. Can you tell us a bit about... Um, why, what it is and why have you started it? Yeah, no, great question. First of all, I mean, you, you mentioned, you touched on the bureaucracy and the complexity that you had to deal with when you were at NAB. I mean, uh, having worked in five banks through my career and being very familiar with the banking market, NAB was no different from the other banks. So it's, it would be unfair to uh, highlight them as being in any shape, manner, form an outlier. Uh, the... the you find that when you look at inside any any of the major banks in in Australia, there is a huge degree of sameness. Uh, the the difference really is the brand, um, but the, the the way in which the banks t- um, tend to operate is very similar uh, amongst them. So it's so NAB's no no difference. But and it was that fact that really motivated me and a, and a couple of colleagues to start thinking about. Juro, uh, some four years ago, actually five years ago, even at the time when I was at NAB, because we were, we were concerned about a number of things. First of all, there was a, a drift in the industry towards what I would describe as an industrialization or a, a dehumanization 
of the operating business model. Um, there's a lot of centralization, uh, standardization, a lot of um, taking away from the customer the kind of service that they traditionally had been used to and in, in the, in the desire to try and standardize everything. Now, for the banks, that can make sense because it helps reduce costs and, and helps um, eliminate some of the operational risk. And in certain parts of the banking market, it works okay. I mean, in the consumer market, um, that tends to, to work. But it doesn't work in the SME market because in the SME market, for a whole range of reasons, but particularly because it's not in what, I would, what the economists call an information-efficient market. It's, an infam- it's a market that requires human judgment. It requires people who understand business, who understand the, the cycles that businesses can go through, who understand that the journey of managing and growing a company is not a smooth um, journey, that things go wrong. Uh, and, you, and you have to have a banker who is capable of understanding that and contextualising it and then thinking through how best to ser- meet the capital the financing and the risk management needs of the business. And that's not a cookie-cutter approach. It's not a one-size-fits-all. It's an approach that has to be custom to the specific needs of the business. Now, I, I, in my 35 years career in banking across five different institutions, different markets, uh, have always been immersed in the business banking market. I know it inside out. Uh, I have a very strong affinity and empathy, I should say, with small to mid-sized businesses and the challenges that they face in getting the banking, the banks to work for them. And so there are some of the reasons why we looked at Judo four or five years ago and said that there has got to be a better way of meeting the needs of small to mid-sized businesses. And there's a real opportunity to build something that just focuses on doing that. It's not a fintech. I mean, we, we're quite emphatic on that, that we're not a fintech. Uh, we do have cutting edge technology, but that technology is there to enable, not to define the proposition. The proposition is defined by relationship-centric, uh, with bankers who are capable of making quick decisions, who are experienced in the business banking market, and who can make quick decisions largely based on judgment. So I'll come back to that in a second. I just want to I just because the the, the downside to industrialization and processing of banking is that bankers lose the ability to have judgment. Well, th- this is actually a major factor in the industry. I mean, one of the ironies in the banking industry is that, that on paper, the um, the quality in terms of educational experience of bankers has improved significantly over the years. I mean, back 15, 20 years ago, uh, most bankers kind of left school and went straight into yeah. the bank, and they learned the trade on the job. One of the great stories that went around the Richmond Business Banking Centre from some of the, the bankers who had that pedigree was staying in the office and fr- on Friday night till it got dark and playing poker in the safe room in the vault with all, you know, with all the piles of cash yeah, yeah. around them because they were 21 years old and this was just a lot of fun. Yes. Well, it, it was an industry then, um, less so today, I have to say, that had a strong sense of purpose. Mm. I mean, you were there in a bank to help businesses and individuals uh, address their financing needs so that they could do today what otherwise they would not be able to do through investing, through buying their home, um, and and really making sure that good businesses had the potential to become great businesses. And there was a great sense of pride in doing that. 
Uh, but that has been lost largely uh, in the industry. Now, I'll just go back to judo for a second. Now, the reason, the, the thing that captured our imagination four years ago was the emergence of the challenger bank concept in the UK, um, where after the global financial crisis, that small businesses were not were being starved of of, of uh, finance, and a number of new um, challenger banks emerged um, that just focused on small business, and we saw that trend occur. And we went and visited um, uh, several of them in the UK. And we saw that there was significant commonality between what was happening in the UK market in terms of SME financing and what was evident in the Australian market. And we decided that, um, that there was a strong business case here uh, to build a bank that only did small to mid-sized business financing. Didn't do mortgages for consumers or credit cards or all the other things that you come to associate with a bank, but simply specialised in, um, in uh, small to mid-sized business uh, financing. And that was really the genesis of Juno. But to make that work, we needed to try and find the best bankers in, uh, that we could who were passionate about SME, who understood banking, not consultants or you know, bright people from other industries, but people who, who had banking running through their veins and who were frustrated by the industrialization that they saw occurring in the major banks where you know bankers no longer had ability to make decisions on the spot or couldn't say to the customer yes we can provide you with that five million dollar loan give me a few days and i'll get back to you with a contract what they're saying today is well give me all the information and i'll pass it to credit yeah. and we'll get back to you it may take a few weeks actually yeah. it may even take a few months but you know i'll do my best right <laughs> now that's quite a soul destroying state of affairs for a, an experienced uh, banker but i was um, and i was an experienced i wasn't an experienced banker but i was a, a chartered accountant i understood balance sheets better than most of the bankers that i worked with but i would get wrapped over the knuckles if i said to somebody yes we can do this and then went back and had to do my back end processes to get the loan uh, done I think that's wrong. I think that if you're, if you're uh, qualified to do the job, that you've you know, got experience, you've got an accounting background, so you clearly you understand finance and you understand business, that you should be able to form a view on whether a particular uh, uh, customer has a creditworthy need. And you should say, look, I think this is something that we can do. Um, I need to list the information that you require um, and, in, and then say with confidence, we'll get back to you very shortly with a decision. But, but you know, work on the basis that I'm confident that we can get this done. I, I think that's what banking, what business bankers should be, uh, should be all about, frankly. Now, one of the big differences that occurred in the industry and one of the premises that Judo is built on is what we call the four C's of credit. Uh, and every banker that comes through this company is tested on the four C's of credit uh, before they join, actually. But the first C, when you're lending money to someone, the first thing that you have to get satisfied with is the character, reputation, and track record of the business owner. That's the first thing. The second thing, the second C, is the ca are the cash flows in the business. And can those cash flows service the debt and repay the debt ultimately? And, and if there's some volatility, uh, is there enough buffer in terms of cash flows to make sure that the debt can be properly serviced? Third C is around capital or the equity capital that sits behind the debt to deal with some of that volatility. 
And then the fourth C is collateral or real security, you know, that you might need if things go wrong. The business owner's family home in most cases. Now, the thing, if I go back to my industrialisation hypothesis, the thing that struck me about the industry uh, in the context of the four C's is that the banks were going to the last C and saying, how much is your home worth? And we can do 75%. And and, uh, for me, that meant there's a whole range of issues there. First of all, that's really a mortgage loan with a bit of lipstick on it. (laughs) It's not a business loan. I mean, a real business loan is you you sit down and you look at the business needs and and how much much funding the business needs to invest and and can deal with volatility over the business cycle. Uh, And then you structure that accordingly. Now, you you may still go and ask for collateral as security, but that's the last thing you do. It's not the first thing that you do. The first thing that you do is say, when I lend you money, do do my instincts say and your reputation in the market tell me that I can trust you. And then the second thing I want to know is the cash flows in the business to service the debt and not in a, not in a, in a constrained way, but can it comfortably service the debt? And then, you know, what's, what is the makeup of the balance sheet? How much equity capital is in there just in case there's, there's an unforeseen event? Uh, now, these are fundamental skills, but the industry has largely lost those skills. Uh, and I, I, was, I have to say I was part of the reason why that happened and and i reflect back on this um in around about 2009 2008 2009 when i was uh, running the business bank at nab uh i i supported a set of recommendations about moving the financial uh, financial analysis uh to jaipur in india so it was you (laughs) i would send over balance sheets and get unreconciled balance sheets back saying balance sheet doesn't balance please correct and then i had a credit policy that says i wasn't allowed to amend the work of what was done in india well yeah i I, i'm accepting responsibility for that (laughs) you know but it's because it was a lesson learned for me by the way Um, i was focusing on how can i reduce the costs because i could i could get a, a highly qualified accountant uh, sometimes CFA tr- qualified account, uh, financial analysts in India to spread the numbers um, at a fraction of the cost it, it would cost to do in Melbourne or Sydney. And so being a logical, rational individual, I thought, well, that makes sense to do that. But actually what I, what I didn't really appreciate then, but I do now, is that when you focus on what is counted, you can lose sight of what counts. And what really counts, well, the cost of what counts is that they, there's now a, a generation of bankers that are, are not skilled in the art and science of financial analysis, of actually sitting down and spreading the numbers mm-hmm. and looking at the ratios and, and your, um, you know, the fact that the balance sheet doesn't balance what happened, where are the margins, how, how does a change in working capital affect cash flow. Having a really detailed understanding of the financial dynamics of a business is, a, is an important part of the training of a banker. It's not good enough to simply get a spreadsheet that's, that somebody else has produced that has a whole lot of ticks, and you kind of look at it and you think, well, the ratios look okay, we can do this, because you, that, that doesn't really give you any insights into the business. And, and those insights can be really quite important because you, know, you might have some ideas about working capital management, where the customer might ask for a five-year 
term loan to buy something, you, could, you, you, you might say, actually, the real issue here is you've got far too much capital tied up in your debtors. Mm. Let's fix that. And let's look at other ideas of, value, of, of adding value to the business. And you, you only do that by digging deep into the numbers and, and, then, and then looking at the nature of the business and, and understanding its growth potential in its industry. And that, 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 in judo, these are the kind of qualities that we want our bankers to be able to do naturally. So these are almost motiva- motivating words, the way you're talking about what banking can be and what it should be. We're sitting in a room in judo capital that to me looks like a very trendy version of a early... 1910s, 1920s traditional bank, but it's still pretty cool and modern and trendy. This, this, this is, you know, in the back of your head, this is how you want judo to be, modern but traditional? Yes, perfect. Um, you know, we, our strap line here is, is banking as it used to be, banking as it should be. Uh, and, and by that we mean blending the, the traditions or the craft of SME banking the ability to apply judgment, the ability to assess qualitative and quantitative information, and to, and to do that in a way that uses the power of technology, uh, of modern systems, of the ability to provide quick decisioning, because one of, the, one of the principles that we have set this business up on is that we will provide a decision to our customer within five working days. Wow. Five working days. So, so that's our promise, um, that within five working days of having the information we need, um, that we will provide a decision. And, so, and our technology enables that. We built this technology ourselves. Uh, we decided that we did not want the business to be encumbered by legacy systems. There's no point coming to the market with a new proposition when the technology is like 20 years old. Mm. You know? So we wanted an environment where our bankers who use technology to help them meet the needs of our customers to reduce complexity, to reduce operational risk, and to help keep bureaucracy to a minimum. Now, any, any banking organisation, most organisations, have a level of bureaucracy attached to them, and, that's, and particularly when you're moving into a regulated environment. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not here saying that bureaucracy is a bad, but I like, I like thinking about bureaucracy in terms of cholesterol, there's good cholesterol when there's like bad cholesterol. <laughs> and, and we wanted to make sure in, in designing judo that we had little bad cholesterol. <laughs> right. Um, let's talk about a phrase that's sitting in front of us right now. You've brought over the Judo Capital Annual Review 2018 and the tagline is to be Australia's most trusted business bank. Yeah. Uh, the Royal Commission into Banking has exposed a massive lack of trust that consumers and businesses have in the banking system. There's two questions that I have for you. I'm keen for your general thoughts. Mm-hmm. But in particular, you spoke before about the purpose of a bank used to be to enable people and businesses to do things they otherwise couldn't. Yeah. My favourite quote, from the Royal Commission and I watched parts of it live and I followed it on the AFR. It's sort of like watching the cricket with the live updates you were getting. Um, uh, Andrew Thorburn said that, it, that NAB had lost its purpose and, and the commissioner, the lawyer acting for the commissioner said, well, I would have thought your purpose is to lend money. Yeah. You know, very sarcastic and almost yeah. passive aggressively. Yeah. Um, can you do that? How does that, what is that? And this is a very broad ranging question. What does that mean for your culture here? You've spoken about it a little bit. Yeah. And also your general thoughts on, on the conduct of banks in Australia and yeah. what it's done to our economy. Yeah. So well, can, I, can I deal with the last part of that question yeah, first? Whatever you want. Yeah. This is your bank. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, ba- banking is essential. 
to the economy. There's no getting away from that. It, it's uh, ba banks are put in a hugely privileged position by society. They are they are given uh, a license by APRA. They're essentially guaranteed by the government. If, in, if a bank got into trouble, the government would move to 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 uh, save it. So in many ways, uh, banks are semi-nationalised entities. They're not true private sector entities because they're not allowed to go bust. And in a private capitalist economy, one of the consequences of being badly managed is you go out of business. Yeah. So banks are protected from that. Banks also have a significant role to play in, in, uh, in, in the way the economy operates. Nobody can avoid dealing with banks, either at a personal or a business level. So I think that's the most important, that's, for me, that's an important reflection point, that, that you, the banks are here, they're very special entities that play a critical role in the economy, and they have a responsibility or a purpose is to ensure that they are meeting the needs of society not operating in a way that meets their own needs, own private needs, but operating in a way that meets the needs of society, uh, and, and particularly in the case of small businesses, or for making sure that small businesses are getting the capital uh, to invest and to grow. Now, I think that that the bank, the banking industry, lost sight of that, um, and quite a number of years ago, frankly. Uh, and they got hooked, particularly after the Basel II, the introduction of Basel II, uh, around about 2005, 2006, they got hooked on the idea that their focus was on maximising ROE. Mm. And because that was linked to incentives. If you, if you delivered a strong ROE, executives, and I, and I include myself in this category, by the way, because I was a beneficiary of, a, of bonuses that were linked to ROE outcomes. And they and they also they kind of lost sight of why they were really there and the special purpose and, and privileges that had been bestowed on them, and were operating in a very self-interested way. Not, I mean, some people talk about the Milton Friedman doctrine about you know the the only legitimate purpose of business is to maximise profits. Uh, Friedman said that, but he also said in an ethical and legal and responsible way in competitive markets. Now, so if you so what the bank says is we cut like we quite like the idea of maximizing profits. <laughs> we don't like any competition, and and we've lost sight a little bit of what ethical conduct it's, means. It reminds me of the gun debate in the US. At the second part of the sentence of the right to bear arms seems to get forgotten. You know, yeah. it's like in a well-armed militia or something. You know, like <laughs> we don't have a militia, so yeah. you have got to read the full story. Yeah, it's part of our clickbait modern society. We only want the juicy part at the start yeah, that we works want for the us. Part. So I think the banks lost sight of what they were all about. Uh, and there's a number of reasons for this, by the way, and I, well, I don't want to plug this, but. And I'm, I've just finished writing a book on banking in Australia, which will be published in May, June. Um, and so it's just something that I've thought about and researched quite extensively. But there, there was a complete collapse in, of what I would describe of professionalism within the industry that maybe started about 15 years ago. Now, of course, accountants and lawyers are all professionally qualified and, and governed by professional regulations. The banking industry used to be like that, but it stopped placing any regard on, on banking qualifications a, a decade or so longer ago. And, and the view was that we can hire bright people from, from the law, from accounting, from consulting, um, and therefore we, the industry didn't need its own professional standards. Um, and at the same time, there was this, 
um, what 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 I call, but it's not, not the John Kay, the UK economist, was a major proponent of this. There was a huge financialization taking place in the economy, where the financial economy become quite disconnected from the real economy. So, if you go back to 1996, for example, I'm thinking globally here, the financial economy, that is the total amount of um, assets in the financial system, was at about 106, 105, 106% of global GDP, 1996. 10 years later, it was over 600% of global GDP. So the financial system was six times the economy. Now, if you, if you go back to fundamentals and say, well, the role of the financial system is to finance the economy, how can that be? Mm. Um, and of course, the system just took a life form of its own. You know, derivatives and a whole lot of transactions were done that had very little social value. Uh, um, but they were done because it created money, there were arbitrage opportunities, uh, banks start pumping lots of money into property, um, the risk-weighted assets treatment under Basel II, made it more attractive for, for a bank to lend money to me to buy my holiday home than it, would, than it was to lend to the small business who would hire 10 people. Mm. Because if I was borrowing, if I was borrowing money to, for a holiday home, there was a 20% risk weighting. If I was borrowing money to invest in my business to hire 10 people, there was a 100% risk weighting. So if my, if my incentive is to maximize ROE, I want to keep my E as low as mm. I can. And that's why the system to be started functioning to maximize profits and profitability for the system, not for the economy. I did not expect that answer, <laughs> but I'm keen to. Um, can you can you give us a couple of copies of your book, and we can we can lend, give them out to some mm. of our listeners? Will that be it's, okay? It's a few months away. Oh, well, but that's all right. I'm we'll have a chat about it after. Now, yeah. let's get back. That that's the purpose and the impact on the economy yeah. in a yeah. very deep, almost. Uh, philosophical belief. Yeah. So, you know, if I had to ask you the question, how is judo different from the traditional yeah. banks, you've just made it crystal clear for me and I assume this as well. The Royal Commission was scathing of banking. Yeah. Um, you've explained a bit how the conduct happened. Brokers, I think, were a bit of a scapegoat yeah. that came out of it. A broker's part of the judo capital growth plan. How do you... They were introduced to keep competition within the banking sector. Yeah. Um, yeah, the fact that bank share prices went up when the, the report was handed down, handed down is, is a bit mind-blowing yeah. um, and is counterintuitive to everything you just said. Yeah. Where do brokers sit in, in this system that you just described? Yeah. Well, for, I mean, I think brokers are an, an integral part of the system. I mean, they play a critical role. I mean, I, I talked about the uh, earlier about the industrialisation and dehumanisation of the banking industry. Uh, what actually has happened, of course, is that a lot of the very competent bankers that were uh, that were sitting inside the banks but frustrated because they because of this industrialization and dehumanization they left and they set up their own broking practices and essentially disintermediated the banks they they did they provided a service to small businesses and and to individuals that the banks used to provide but no longer wanted to provide and therefore the broker market naturally stepped in to fill a void. The broker market is, is critical to competition because you know if you're going to try and take on the major four banks, you're up against a you're hugely disadvantaged because of the footprint and um, the, in particular that they have. But the broker market, the broker community helps solve that problem because you can access brokers that help act as a counter to the 
branch networks and the footprint that the major banks have. So I think the brokers play a big, an important role. Um, I, I do think that they should be agnostic in terms of their association with banks, that they should be focusing on what is in the best interest of the client and then which bank can meet that interest. So I'm not a big fan of, of banks owning or controlling aggregators, for example. I think that seems to me to be a contradiction in terms and for what the brokers are doing. But uh, uh, brokers play an important role. On the Royal Commission, I, I think the brokers came out of the Royal Commission uh, treated somewhat totally disproportionately um, and harshly um, in terms of you know the threats that are getting made to changes to the commission arrangements. So I think that, that was unfortunate. Um, the, the Royal Commission provided a lot of good theatre, <laughs> no question about that. But in, and I'm not apologising for the banks at all, but it is important to say that the commission was was quite a narrow in scope investigation into misconduct, so it tended to focus on things that hadn't worked out well. You know, every I mean, most of the bankers I know uh, come to work to do a good job for their customers, and and there's a lot of businesses I know many of them who have been very successful over the years due to the support that they've received from banks. And I can think of, actually, I can think of dozens and dozens of, of well-established businesses um, that whenever I catch up with the owners socially, will always say, if it wasn't for ANZ, if it wasn't for NAB, I wouldn't be here today, right? So let's not lose sight of the fact that when banks are conducting themselves professionally, when they're focusing on their customer, they add a huge amount of value to the economy. There's an almost embarrassing article in the AFR today. A, a chief consultant to banks has recommended that banks in, in the wake of the Royal Commission need to become customer-focused. Surely you don't need a consultant to tell them this. No, that's, that, uh, that's a very sad reflection of the, uh, our reality, that the banks have lost uh, total lost touch with the customer. The last thing that banks need right now, frankly, are more consultants. Because <laughs> a big part of the problem in the industry has been with the... Con- and I, I'm saying this with due respect to any good consultants that might be listening, but having worked in one of the banks that was overrun by management consultants, um, uh, I think a major factor in the, in the mess that the industry has got itself into is that there were people who were very strong on theory and concept, had no practical or operational experience and were, were allowed to be given far too much influence in the way the organisations were designed. So, you know, we've, anybody who's worked inside a bank will know of the uh, frustrating uh, regularity with which organisations change structure, mm. reporting lines. And, you know, one year we've got 20 people reporting into Charlie and then next year it's 10 and Charlie's moved to somewhere else and the whole place... Uh, uh, turns itself inside out, upside down, for what benefit, frankly? I mean, I'm looking at... I was listening to a colleague at one of the major banks uh, a couple of months ago telling me about the latest reorganisation. And I said to him, well, we saw this movie seven years ago. <laughs> you know, it's... And, and it's, it's a sad... It's, refle- a it's a remake. It's a sad reflection that management thinks that reorganising redesigning the organisation is progress. The customers suffer, actually, because there's a, there's, a, uh, there's a lack of continuity, the, uh, particularly small to mid-sized businesses. I mean, when I, when I think of the, of the great bank business relationships I'm familiar with, 
those relationships have actually been defined by people. You know, by, by John or by Sue, who's been the banker to ABC Limited for 20 years, knows the company inside out, uh, has probably now working on the second generation of owners, father, mother, pass it down to son, daughter. Um, they remember 15 years ago when the company almost went broke mm. and what they did to avoid that. Uh, they're seen as a trusted advisor. They're seen as somebody that you can sit down and talk to about, you know, the premises next door is up for sale. I'm thinking of expanding. I think there's a big business opportunity. What do you think? Mm. You know, on that trusted advisor piece, the role of the accountant in the SME landscape is different to brokers. It's not about getting the best mm -hmm. deal. It's generally about the overall health and well-being yeah. of the family of which the business is a part of it. Yeah. What are your views on the role of accounting in, in, I think, facilitating the banking business relationship? Yeah, oh, an integral part. I mean, I mean I, in an ideal world, I'm talking here as a banker, uh, in an ideal world, the banker should be the trusted advisor, that's not the reality. Mm. The reality is that the accountant is more likely to be the trusted advisor. The accountant would have an intimate knowledge of the finances, the tax, both business and personal, of the business operators, uh, is impartial, uh, a, source, a source of sound judgment, of non-conflicted advice. They're not selling products, they're not selling a loan or anything else. Um, so I, I think that the... Forestry schemes? No, forestry no, they should not be selling anything like that. They, they should be there to understand the customer and then to advise the customer. And, I, and understanding the customer, of course, is a precondition. Um, but they are in a hugely, a hugely privileged position as well, actually. And I know from my own dealings with my own personal tax advisor, one of the accounting firms... Um, uh, I rely hugely on her. I mean, she's known me for a decade and, uh, and lots of good advice on, on uh, not just on tax matters, but on wealth management or whatever it might be. Uh, and, we, and you trust that advice because there's a relationship. There's a relationship, she, not, with, not with the firm, mm. the relationship's with the person, mm. you know? And in fact, she, the lady I, I'm, that I'm referring to, I won't embarrass her by mentioning her name, she, she had worked at one of the major accounting firms and then moved to uh, one of the outside the top four. Uh, and I moved immediately with her. I said, no, you know me. Uh, I trust you and I'm going to move my affairs uh, with you. So for me, I, that, that's a personal relationship that's based on a high level of trust. She has a deep understanding of my needs or my pro financial profile my risks and how I should be managing my, those risks. Um, and that's what a bank should be doing to small businesses, you know, not selling them. And I, I detest the word selling. I detest it. I mean, would you, would you go to your dentist and your doctor if you thought that he or she was selling you stuff you didn't need? No, not you at all. No, because <laughs> there's an implicit relationship yeah. of trust. Uh, yeah, you know, one of the things that always baffled me as a banker, I had a KPI for funds under management, yeah. which was client wealth funds in MLC yeah. products. It just never made any sense. Well, this is, this is I mean, this is part of the, a big part of the problem that the Royal Commission has highlighted, right. is that the, bank, the banks uh, were cross-selling uh, products from different divisions uh, to, uh, to support the economics of the investments they had made in buying those businesses. 
and that the bankers were, uh, you know, uh, given targets to meet uh, that had nothing to do with the customer. Mm-hmm. They had, it was all about targets. And that is hugely conflicting. Mm. It's hugely conflicting. And so one of the good things that, that has come out of the Royal Commission, uh, I hope this is the case, is that these kind of um, targets, these kind of, these kind of measures of success that are not based on the customer's interests are going to be um, abolished. And one final question for you, and it relates to one of your credit, what I think is going to be one of your credit policies. So, I hope, you know, question without notice. A lot of us, a lot of tax accountants will advise clients to use the ATO as a bank. It is the, the cheapest and quickest way to get largely unsecured uh, working capital debt. And if you pay it off against the plan, you can usually get the interest remitted, so it's kind of free. Um, does so, so that ends up that you have good businesses mm-hmm. that tick a lot of the boxes that you're talking about mm-hmm. with character and capacity, but have ATO arrears. Yeah. Does Judo lend to business, good businesses with ATO arrears? Yes. yes. Judo will look at, I mentioned the four C's mm. um, of credit. We're looking at the character, we're looking at the cash flows, we're looking at the capital, we're looking at collateral in, the, in that order. Um, I, uh, and, and part of understanding a business is understanding the, the reasons why they manage their affairs in a particular way. Now, if, if you believe that the ATO is the cheapest source of working capital um, and you can manage that risk, then that's a perfectly rational thing to do. Mm. And but then, so the banker needs to satisfy themselves that actually that was the motivation that you're not you're not um, running into, you're not operating under financial duress and can't pay your taxes, but you've chosen to take take um, up essentially uh, a cheap source of working capital. You look through that. You look through that. I think a lot of accountants are going to love hearing that answer. Joseph, thank you very much for coming on the show. Um, we, do you have any final messages out to the accountants out there who are just – a lot of them have great relationships with their bankers, but I'm also frustrated that it's just hard to get things done. Yeah, well, I, I, you know, the reason we've set Judo up and Judo will become a fully-fledged bank, um, we, we're – hoping by the end of this month. Right. We've set Judo up to be a challenger, to be a force for change in the SME market. We're, we're clearly, we're small. We will grow, but, but it's not gonna, don't measure our contribution and our influence by the size of our balance sheet. Measure it by the standards that we set, which is really around the idea of SME banking as it used to be, SME banking as it should be. Well, there's an individual you can speak to who will seek to understand the situation that the customer is facing and seek to help provide a solution to its needs. That's our whole raison d'etre, that's our purpose. Uh, Unashamedly traditional values on cutting-edge technology. Joseph, thanks for your time. Twitter at David Boyar, B-O-Y-A-R, on LinkedIn, David Boyar. From the trenches.